Welcome to He's Dead Jim, the podcast where we travel back through Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. I'm Mick McConnell, and please welcome my awesome pal, Emily Lind. Hello. This week we watched Dagger of the Mind, uh, which is season one, episode nine, or episode ten on Netflix. And for Stardate fans, we kick off at Stardate 2715.1. We kick off in the transporter room. Medical supplies are being transported down from the Enterprise to a penal colony on Tantalus 5. Uh, and we see a crewman loading a giant pill bottle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically almost as tall as he is under the transporter room. I'm like, oh, for starters, I thought, like, are the people in this penal colony, are they giants or something? <laughs> Teleporting, like, it's like an Alice in Wonderland giant pill bottle. But no, apparently it's just a big cylinder full of medicine. Kirk walks in and asks if they're having trouble. The crew say, it's this damn security shield. And then Kirk radios the penal colony and asks them to lower the security shield. And then they do and then the crew can transport the goods down. So a lot of the crew on the Enterprise don't seem to be particularly well-trained or very logical. No, they really don't. Kirk asks, are there any incoming cargo? And the crew says, just one item, sir, some research material bound for the Central Bureau of Penology in Stockholm. Sure. (laughs) It's a curious-looking metal box, and it has classified material do not open printed on it. While the crew have their backs turned, um, all of a sudden, oh yeah, Kirk tells them to you know get it down to the safe and lock it up. Uh, so Kirk leaves. Uh, there's one crewman left in the transporter room. He's got his back turned and doing stuff on a clipboard or something. And while he's got his back turned, the lid of the box starts to open, and then all of a sudden, this real crazy, wild-eyed prisoner emerges from the box. He's got an oxygen mask on to help him survive in the box. Uh, the prisoner's wearing a blue-gray colored jumpsuit and uh, we see these a lot as sort of uniforms in different colors there. The bathrobes? Yeah, the bathrobes. Yeah, yeah. But they're sort of, they're like overalls. They're sort of, they're a one-piece sort of thing. They're, they're like a karate one-piece. I mean, <laughs> sort of, they look really comfortable. I kind of want they're one. They're comfortable. They're sort of. Trousers from the waist down and kimono from the waist up. The prisoner sneaks up to the crewman and karate chops the back of his neck and knocks him out. I like how his eyes go real wild while he's delivering the chop. He escapes from the transporter room and uh, you get a shot of him suddenly ducking and hiding from um, passers-by on the Enterprise. And we just get shots of his eyes just darting around like crazy. On the bridge, Kirk is uh, reporting to his log about how they've exchanged cargo and I've departed without going ashore. Um, Kirk, I like how <laughs> still, I know it's Starfleet is, seems to be very much based on the Navy, but I still think it's weird that they use nautical terms like going ashore when they're talking about another planet. Yeah. Uhura receives a message from the colony uh, that they're unable to locate one of their inmates and... This is a potentially violent case, possibly hidden in the box we beamed up to you. Uh, We cut to a shot of the prisoner standing over an unconscious crewman, uh, and the prisoners now swap to the crewman's red um, tunic thing, dressing gown. (laughs) Kirk raises the security alert. 
another crewman spots the prisoner walking around and uh, he calls in his location to the bridge. The security close off that deck, but uh, the prisoner immediately tackles a security officer and seals his phaser. Again, these, yeah, Enterprise crew, they're very easy to overwhelm. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, considering it's supposed to be the security officers. Yeah, yeah, they're not, <laughs> they really don't have their wits about them. Um, Kirk updates Dr. Adams via radio. Dr. Adams advises the prisoner is clever as well as extremely violent. Um, armed security officer comes to the bridge and sort of startles the, the bridge crew, but, you know, they, they're relieved when they see it's um, their armed guard. Um Spock says, interesting, you Earth people glorify organised violence for 40 centuries, but you imprison those who employ it privately. And McCoy turns to him and says, but your people found an answer. And Spock says, uh, we disposed of emotion, Doctor. When there is no emotion, there is no motive for violence. So we get a lot of interesting sort of takes on on prisons, I guess, in, in this episode and prisoner welfare the prisoner enters the bridge armed and knocks out the security officer immediately so this is terrible a, a gunman can make it all the way to the bridge and hold the captain at gunpoint <laughs> yeah. pretty easily and he's just crazy like where's the captain which one of you is the captain and kirk says i'm captain kirk and then the prisoner sort of struggles to speak he seems to be in a bit of pain or something he's really sort of struggling he's messed up uh my name is Van Gelder. I want asylum. And then Kirk turns to him and says, at gunpoint? And the prisoner says, I want your promise first, your word that you won't take me back there to Tantalus. And Kirk says, no promises. The prisoner says, no, I'm not going back there. I'll disable your vessel. I'll shoot your control panel. You choose, Captain. Um, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk boots the phaser out of his hand and then Spock quickly nerve pinches him and knocks him out. Pretty cool. And Kirk says, take him to sick bay and reverse course. So in the sick bay, McCoy says the patient is abno he's abnormal, but it's not schizophrenia. There's no tissue damage or anything he's acquainted with. And that he required a triple dose of sedatives to calm him down. Um, the prisoner keeps struggling to blurt out, my name is Simon Van Gelder, and I was a director of the Tantalus Colony. I was a student of doctor, doesn't complete, keeps speaking in broken sentences and just repeats, I knew, I knew, but they've erased it. And he just goes hysterical and then McCoy has to knock him out. Spock's doing his research and confirms that Dr. Simon Van Gelder was assigned to the colony six months ago as Dr. Adams' associate. So this is getting all the more mysterious. Um, Kirk radios Dr. Adams, who says that Van Gelder tested an experimental beam on himself and, and basically went crazy. Uh, McCoy walks in and hears the conversation on the radio and says to Kirk, that doesn't ring true. Kirk basically puts Dr. Adams on hold and um, has a bit of a almost an argument with McCoy. You know, basically Dr. Adams is a bit of a hero and his record with, you know, making nicer prisons or whatever or, better places to reform people. Um, you know, they can't believe that Dr. Adams would do anything wrong. Yeah, it's like Kirk is so smug. Like, just inst instantly, like, won't even hear this 
from, you know, McCoy, his d- trusted friend who, you know, serves as chief medical officer. But as soon as he says something bad about this friggin' like prison psychiatrist or whatever the hell he is, yeah, like just Kirk is just instantly going at him. Yeah, so Kirk's this is probably the most logical I've ever seen Kirk. Like it's it's obvious <laughs> it seems pretty obvious that it's worth you know investigating this. Um Kirk doesn't feel it needs investigation or he's not convinced, but then McCoy forces his hand and says, I'm forced to any enter any reasonable doubts in my medical log and you are forced to reply in your log, Captain. And then Kirk reluctantly radios Dr. Adams to tell him he'll need to conduct an investigation. Um, Dr. Adams is very cooperative, but he requests that Kirk uh, only bring a minimum of staff with him. So we know from last, we know from recent episodes that when something weird is happening on a planet and whoever you're in contact with down there tells you to basically come alone or not not bring many people to protect you that's uh, it's, yeah, it's not funny a good sign. I, like i don't know if this ever comes up like maybe later in the original series but in in like next generations and stuff it's very much like it's against protocol for the captain to go down the away team like we see picard do it occasionally but it's usually Riker. Who's leading the away teams? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. But I guess we've got the other motive of, uh, well, Kirk is seems like a big fan of Dr. Adams and wants to meet him. You see Spock's concerned about it. Spock's sort of his... Spock doesn't jump to conclusions like McCoy. Spock wants to know facts, but he's he's pretty sure there's something going on that needs to be looked at. Uh, it's interesting. I guess what doesn't help Kirk make his decision about all this is McCoy has no facts. McCoy, he often works in hunches and often his hunches turn out to be um, worth pursuing, but it, yeah, it just makes it a bit hard. It's interesting to see the brain's trust fight it out between them. Kirk to McCoy, yeah, Kirk turns to McCoy with some amount of irritation in his voice and says, Find me someone in your department with psychiatric and penology experience. And uh, Kirk sm- and uh, McCoy agrees and leaves, leaves the room. Is penology a real thing? I mean, it, I don't know if it's called that. <laughs> it, it must exist. Just something that sounds hilarious. After Kirk and McCoy have had this bit of a fight, Kirk sort of turns and starts smiling. So I think he likes having a bit of a bit of an argument with his pal. And McCoy advises he'd like to keep the patient on the Enterprise, and Spock agrees. Um, Doctor McCoy advises that he has a technical aid ready, and that does have a background in rehabilitative therapy. And then we cut to the transporter room, and there's a beautiful woman waiting there to beam down, who introduces herself as Doctor Helen Noel, and says, "Captain, we've met." And Spock raises his eyebrows and uh, Dr. Noel says, don't you remember the science lab Christmas party? You dropped in and then Kirk just cuts her off whispering, yes, yes, I remember. (laughs) And we get this sort of dramatic, it's sort of old Hollywood romance music. So these two have some sort of Christmas party history. Yeah. Again, like these references to like earth holidays 
make me laugh. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Just it's also interesting because because the the size of the Enterprise crew seems to fluctuate so much in terms of like what works for that episode or yeah. not. Yep. Because the the idea that there's just this whole like like I know there's like nurses and like there's a whole medical team, but the fact that there's apparently like lots of other like actual doctors on the ship who we just never see ever. Yeah. And like whole departments that the captain doesn't really know. Um, but yet when he crashes their Christmas party, they, they hook up. (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating. So it's, it's clearly it's tense between these two. It's pretty awkward. And Kirk just, he steps off the transporter and goes and tells Spock, and he, he looks pretty annoyed, and he says, Mr. Spock, you tell McCoy that she had better to check out as the best assistant I've ever had. So it's pretty clear that McCoy has stitched Kirk up here. Which I love. Awesome. <laughs> Such an arsehole. <laughs> so good, though, Kirk. Clearly also the arsehole in this case seems to deserve it. Kirk and Dr. Noel beam down. Oh, yeah, Dr. Noel that he met at the Christmas party. That only just clicked. Oh, um, oh I feel shit. dumb. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, they beam down to a building on the planet's surface. The doctor says, perhaps it would be easier if you call me Helen, Captain. Uh, doctor, this is another time and another place and another situation. And Kirk's clearly irritated by all this. Um, they enter a building on the planet's surface and the door immediately slides shut and then the floor plummets down. So they're, they're on an elevator just plummeting down uh, at some sort of crazy speed, you know, before they even realise they're in an elevator. Uh, and they sort of embrace and then when they get to the bottom, they let go awkwardly. Dr. Adams appears and he's wearing, you know, the blue karate uniform and it's got this interesting sort of logo of a white hand holding a dove near a sun. And we see later on everyone else is walking around in the similar sort of uniform and they're all sort of drugged out or, you know, the the weird sort of catatonic almost. And it, it, it seems it's pretty clear that some weird shit's going on on this planet. And it yeah, either looks a bit like this guy might be running a cult or he's got everyone drugged or something. But Kirk, you know, he still doesn't seem to think there's much going on, which is really weird. Um, Dr. Adams is very charming and he's very happy to have visitors and he offers them a toast because he doesn't get guests often. And he lowers the security shield so that Kirk can radio back to the Enterprise and let them know he's, they've, they've arrived. Uh, and all of a sudden this former prisoner, is it Lether? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. Letha, Letha walks in. Uh, she's wearing a bright pattern sort of caftan, uh, but she just walks in sort of staring blankly like a zombie. Uh, she's a former inmate and now works as a therapist. And she just turns and after she's introduced and says, I love my work. And Kirk asks her about, you know, what crime did she commit? And she has no memory of her crimes. And Dr. Adams explains that, you know, they help, Part of there's no um, point in torturing prisoners with their horrible memories, so 
part of their rehabilitation, they you know, help them forget. Um, so we get shots of walking around the colony and we see this weird couple that, it, again, they look zoned out or drugged out and they basically just walk along and grin at each other and smile at Kirk or something like that. It's, it's odd. It's off-putting. It is off-putting, yeah. Um, back in the sick bay, Van Gelder's ranting, I'm not a criminal. I do not require neural neutralizer. And Spock tries to find out you know, what this neural neutralizer is and what happens in the neural neutralizer room. I mean, it doesn't sound good. No, no, it doesn't sound great. Uh, on the Tantalus colony, Dr. Adams is showing them the neural neutralizer room. Kirk meets this man at the console who again is just staring blankly and he looks heavily sedated or something's clearly up. Dr. Adams, we find out later, is lying to them and he just says, oh, we haven't got much use out of this device yet. Kirk hangs back and asks the operator, how does it work? And then Dr. Adams sort of pokes his head back through the door and looks a bit concerned and then quickly interrupts Kirk and brings him on to see other stuff. As they leave, we see the engineer use the beam on a patient and he says, you will forget all you have heard. To remember any portion of it will cause you great pain as he turns up the dial and we get this you know, cool sci-fi sound effects increasing. So he's obviously increasing tensity and this patient's in pretty clearly in pain and discomfort. So it's not great. Um, back at the sick bay, Spock communicates to Kirk and raises concerns about the neural neutralizer. And Dr. Adams is overhearing this conversation, but he tells Kirk, you know, you've, you've got a good first officer there. Tell him to speak freely. I've got to go and tend to something. So he leaves the room. But I, at this point, I'm guessing he's either listening in or he's already figured out that the Enterprise know what they're up to. So, so Spock uh, says... Van tells Kirk that Van, Ge- Van Gelder says you're in great danger. And Dr. Noel is a big fan of Dr. Adams too, and she just immediately says, but that's foolish, and then um, explains that Van Gelder's suffering from neural synapse damage. Um, Kirk says, advises uh, Spock that I think we'll spend the night here, and Van Gelder overhears this and yells out, no! And um, Spock, you know, he's obviously concerned and he says to Kirk, you know, you know, you will make sure you radio in every four hours. Spock mind melds with Van Gelder. I, if my memory serves me right. This is our first mind meld. Yeah. Is it our it's first mind be. meld in the series? Yeah, I think it is because he sort of, they sort of explain it and there's lots of, there's lots more um like explanation than you would get otherwise. Yeah, that's right. And he says it's the first time he's done it on a human and he seems to be, yeah, Spock's a little bit apprehensive about it. He says it could be dangerous. Uh, He says it requires, he explains to uh, Van Gelder, it requires me to make pressure changes on nerves and blood vessels. And he tells Dr. McCoy, this this won't affect you. It's not a hypnosis. You know, it it only affects the person I touch. Uh, Meanwhile, Kirk enters Dr. Noel's quarters and raises concern about the crew on Tantalus. Um, Didn't they seem a bit blank? Um, Noel still idolizes Dr. Adams and doesn't sort of share Kirk's concerns, but, um, Kirk convinces her to go and come with him to go and investigate the neural neutralizer room a bit further. 
and we keep cutting back and forward to Spock in the sick bay um, doing his mind meld. Uh, and Spock's saying, what is our name? Who are we? And Van Gelder, you know, talks during the process, answering Spock's questions. He sort of speaks in sort of keywords, I guess, sort of half sentences. Um, and he re- reveals through this that at, Dr. Adams raised their minds and implanted his own thoughts and talks about how there's such agony to be empty. And Spock has a slightly emotional response to the answers. Like whenever he gets an answer, Spock will say, oh, yes, yes, and start agreeing with him. So it's interesting this, uh, we get introduced to the fact that this mind meld process has an effect on Spock's mind as well. So he's influenced by the, the emotions from the, the human mind that he's melding with. And then Kirk is an absolute idiot and sits straight in the chair and gets Dr. Noel to test the beam on him. I mean, come on. (laughs) So stupid. And and there's a lot of this. This episode works because the Enterprise crew, including their captain, is ridiculous (laughs) in this case. Um. He gets Dr. Noel to try the beam at a minimum of intensity for a couple of seconds. So she does and turns it off. And he says, uh, start the test. Why haven't you started the test? And she says, uh, I just did it. So his memory of the couple of seconds of the test has been erased. Uh, so he doesn't remember anything. Um, and the doctor turns on the beam and tries to implant a suggestion this time and tells Kirk he's hungry. As soon as he turns the beam off, Kirk says, oh, man, I can't wait to have a meal afterwards or whatever. So it works. Uh, and then Kirk suggests try something more unusual. And then uh, Dr. Niall turns the beam on and says, at the Christmas party, we danced and looked at the stars or something like that. Now remember it in a different way. You swept me off my feet and took me into your cabin. And then we get to like... This is so creepy. Oh, man, we get... So she's... So I'm getting from this that um, Dr. Noel likes Kirk, but it's unreciprocated or something like that. Or at least that nothing actually happened. Yeah. So she's now, yeah, implanting her fantasy, I guess, and we get a kind of like a dream sequence where um, the the lens is sort of blurred around the edges. Yeah, it's all very, like, soap opera love scene. Yeah, yep. And, uh, what is it? Uh, Now remember in a different way, you took swept me off my feet and took me into your cabin. In the sequence, uh, Dr. Noel says, Captain, if your crew saw saw you carry me in here, my reputation. But it would be different if you cared for me. And then he says, oh, Kirk wishes her a Merry Christmas on the way in or something, and... Then he says something, yeah, he says, oh, would you like me to lie? Would you like me to wrap that up as a Christmas present for you or something? And then she says, oh, no, I want the truth from you. And then they embrace and start kissing. And then we're back. So we're straight back in the room. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Adams comes in with uh, some of his men and basically take Dr. Noel away. And he takes over the controls and starts cranking up the beam. He implants this thing that, that Kirk is like madly in love with Helen and will do like anything to protect her. That's right. And to 
to be apart from her will cause him great pain. So it's similar to, to the pain scenario that um, we saw earlier with the, the other patient. But like the thing becomes they have to get the shield down so that the Enterprise can beam them up. Yeah. Yeah, so they can't use the communicators. Um, the Dr. Noel, she manages from her quarters to um, break open a, a grace and you know creep through the air conditioning ducts or whatever to get down to where the power is. Um, can't remember. Does Kirk catch up with her before that? They have a scene. They have a scene together before she goes off through the vents, but I don't quite remember what happens. Yeah, I think he just sort of says you've got to get. Yeah, so Kirk goes in to tell her that she's got to get the the um, got to some get to the power grid and turn off the the force field. Basically, Kirk gets dragged back for more torture. Um, Doctor Noel climbs through the air conditioning ducts and gets into the main power room. Um, manages to sneak past um, Dr. Adam's men who are looking for her by this stage. Uh, she turns off the power switch uh, and uh, one of the guards, I think, tries to fight her, but she pushes him and he basically lands on this power supply and gets electrocuted to death. So that was exciting. Kirk's on the chair at some point and Dr. Adams says, take your phaser out and put it on the ground. And he does that. And let's take your communicator out. And he opens his communicator, like it's starting to communicate, and drops it. So I'm just wondering if that's happened before the the force field was deactivated or after. I think so. I think it was sort of like those where we were cutting back and forth between those two scenes. Yeah. So either way, they get hold of Spock or Spock realises the force field's been taken out and he beams down immediately. So... The power's been cut. That stops the ray. Kirk gets out of the chair. He has a fight with Dr. Adams and knocks Dr. Adams out, and then he escapes from the room. When Spock comes down, disables the uh, force field, he goes, righto, guys, the force field's totally disabled, beam down a security team, and then he turns the power back on. And what that does is that turns the ray on, uh, and that's that must have been left on full intensity, and so Dr. Adams, while he's lying unconscious in the ray room, gets the full force of the ray while the room's unattended. And eventually Spock meets up with Kirk and they find the doctor in the ray room and he's dead. Spock explains something about they're like, why would have it killed him? And it, having a totally empty mind with nothing to fill it. And I think Kirk says not even a tormentor there to keep you company. So I think that's our episode. Yeah, we we got through it. So there you go. Thank you very much, Emily. You've got to go and do another podcast now, I believe. Yeah, I do. So that's your that's your X Men Legion pod, isn't it? Yes, we are. We are getting. I think there's like, I think we're on like the last two episodes of the season, so things are starting to heat up. Sweet shout out to the gang. Let us know how we can follow you and how we, if we're X Men fans. Um, if you like X Men or watch Legion, I have a podcast that I do with Rashad and Jared, and that is called Pod of Future Cast. Um, right now we're going through Legion while that's on, but later we'll be like 
doing sort of like an X-Men book club and talking about Deadpool and other X-Men universe movies as they come out. Very cool. Actually, we just got an email through. You got time for a quick email? Sure. Uh, so we've got an email from Darren Luchner. G'day, Darren. He says, hi, Mick and Emily. Did you see the email below I sent? Maybe we missed one a little while back. Um, yeah, this is from back in May. Maybe we missed one. Um, sorry, Darren. Um, hi, Mick and Emily. I'm really enjoying your podcast. I have been a longtime fan of the OG series. My son and I are slowly going through each episode. I have a question. What happens to waste and sewage on a starship? Maybe it gets compacted as a weapon and shot onto Klingon ships, or maybe it gets recycled and used to make food from the replicators. Um, yeah, well, I guess we you get that, like in real life, in space flight, astronauts use recycled wastewater because the water is scarce up there. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about recycled waste for food. Um, yeah. I don't think the replicators need that. Replicators use energy, don't they? Maybe you could use the waste to generate energy and then you've got enough points of separation where I'd be comfortable <laughs> about eating the food. <laughs> but, but shooting it at Klingons, I like that. you got to be careful, though. That's the kind of shit that starts wars. Literally. <laughs> um, keep up the great podcasts. I am also watching Deep Space Nine for the first time, up to season five. You're doing well. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. So that's Darren's first letter, and uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into more of Deep Space Nine myself. Darren also writes, uh, also loved your talk on Twilight Zone, the original series with Rod Serling, the smoking man who introduces, are my favourite. One of the best episodes you should check out is Time Enough at Last. Oh, it's so good. Awesome, with Burgess Meredith. Yeah, um, British Marathon is in a lot of them, but that's a particularly good one. Can you tell me anything about that, or should I should I keep it a surprise? Um, it's one you might actually already know the ending of because it's sort of one of the classic ones. But it's about a it's a I believe he's a bank teller, and he's always getting in trouble because all he wants to do is be able to to read his book and be left alone. Oh man, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. And he says, don't worry, there are no robots or scary scenes in this one. So cool. Um, and uh, Darren says, also, I've started a drinking game every time Mick says fascinating. <laughs> and he's even sent us a cool meme with Spock stroking a cat and says fascinating. Keep up the great podcast, Darren. Thank you, Darren. I, I um, It's fascinating and slightly torturing me having to listen back to this and edit it and I seem, yeah, fascinating's one. What's the other one? Oh, wow! I say that a lot. A lot of wows. Um, so there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly fascinated. Um, so there you go. I like that. A uh, few drinking games. If we come up with a cocktail we talked about last episode, maybe we can incorporate that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting listening back to your own voice and hearing all the weird stuff that you say. <laughs> Yeah, you can get really self-conscious really quick. Yeah, I'm trying not to. I'm sort of I'm using this as hopefully by the time we get to the end of season three, I'm, I'll be slightly better at talking. <laughs> but it's good fun anyway. So there you go, fascinating. I'll have to um, I have to get a book of synonyms. <laughs> 
put an embargo on fascinating. No, I've got to, actually, no, I've got to do more now. I've got to support this drinking game and get Darren hammered. Yeah, that's the way to go. So very cool. Well, thank you very much, Darren. And sorry we missed that first email. Very good points. We better let Emily run and go and podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, it's always so much fun potting with you. And thank you very much, our listeners, for listening along. Um, shoot us an email. He's dead, Jim, pod at gmail.com or follow us on the social media at He's Dead Jim Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, if you've got a spare minute and you like the show, please jump on iTunes and give us a five-star review. It'll help us out no end. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.